Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 10, the big one zero of the Defending Line podcast. I am TJ, the host for tonight, and we're going to cover a bunch of topics. We're going to cover a bunch of videos. Uh, a lot of this stuff is like the last 48 hours kind of stuff that I happened to pick up and <clears throat> ended up changing up the the schedule so that we could cover fresh and exciting things that uh, you may not otherwise know about. Um, last week, so again, every week, Thursday, 10 p.m. Eastern, we air live. The audio is recorded, video is uploaded to YouTube. Um, the audio you can find basically anywhere. Uh, Pandora, Spotify, iHeartRadio now, and as well as Anchor, which is where it starts from. So it's the original host. You can go to Anchor, you can upload a audio kind of response to an episode and we can play it on a future episode. We also have a Discord channel that if you go to the bottom of our Twitch, bottom of the YouTube channel, the bottom of any uploaded episode is going to have the link to our Discord. You can hop in Discord. There is a channel that's called Live Lobby. You can jump in there, wait, you know, to make a statement, make a comment, ask a question, whatever it is, and I'll pull you up into the live channel. And you'll be able to communicate and with me or with a guest if we have a guest and go from there. It's kind of a, a fun interaction that we can have with you. There is also a Twitch chat. So if any questions come through Twitch chat or comments, I might mention them on, on the episode uh, as we go through. And, and each section has kind of a comments, little, little few minutes. So I'll try and uh, address those then. I may not address comments right away. So just please bear with me. So last week, episode nine, we talked about staying in the fight, the warrior mentality, the guardian mentality, um, we didn't go a whole lot into the two subjects because I think I can probably do an episode just on that. And I just don't have the time to um, cover it in, in as depth as I want to with other topics, with videos and things like that. So we may do that. And, and if I could get them on here, uh, Colonel Grossman, Dave Grossman, I would love to get him on as a guest. That would be a great topic for him because... He talks about that mentality, that, um, that that warrior mentality, about staying in the fight. The He calls it the bulletproof mind. That's the seminar that law enforcement goes through. And uh, it's amazing stuff. I've been through two of his seminars, and I can't speak highly enough of him. And we talked about that last episode and how the community seems to think he's teaching law enforcement to kill everybody, and that's just not the case. And yes, it's called killology, but... Um, the the uh, research that he does, his institute, all that stuff is under that kind of name. But the purpose is not to kill everybody. It's to have the mentality to survive. And so we talked about that. We also talked about holding on to vehicles. As law enforcement, um, we don't want to grab vehicles. And we talked, to, we showed a video. And then I gave an example of one time where I was in a vehicle and you know, if you're inside of a vehicle, you make it make it in there and the vehicle starts moving, hey, it's it's going to move and you're stuck for whatever reason. However, it occurred, you're in that vehicle, you're, you're going for a ride. Uh, hopefully it, it turns out OK. Um, my best suggestion is go for the keys, try to turn it off and it'll eventually coast and probably crash into something. But um, we talked about hanging on vehicles and how it accomplishes nothing. You jump onto that vehicle, you grab that door, and you're going for a ride, and you're probably going to get hurt. And nine times out of ten, the officers that have held onto vehicles got hurt. So we need to stop doing that. We also talked about governmental power, and we're going to segue into that again, sort of, um, with a topic that's coming back up and just popped up in the last 24 hours, maybe 12 hours. I think it was today. This this information was released, and um. It's pretty, it's pretty ridiculous. So um, we're going to segue right into that. Um, we've talked about these clowns before on this podcast, and it's the Minneapolis City Council. Um, they are <laughs> just digging that hole deeper. Um, if I recall correctly, the facts that at one point they tried to disband the law, the police department, that passed but ultimately failed because they were unable to do that they weren't allowed to do that 
they didn't have that power to it, right? Thankfully. But they damaged the department so bad that people quitting, the um, department started getting, you know, just slammed with calls, slammed with crime. There's rioting and protesting and all sorts of nonsense that was going on that caused what you're seeing on this on the screen if you're watching the video or I'll tell you is 5164 violent crimes in 2020 that's up from 4097 so the citizens band together and again if i recall the the actual facts they band together they filed a lawsuit against the city council because of their actions are making their lives unsafe I don't know what happened with that. I don't know um, what occurred. But ultimately, the city council, as of 11 hours ago that this article came out, defunded the police department $8 million. Now, we've talked in a previous episode what defunding actually means. You can tell me defunding means um, taking money away from the police, demilitarizing police, doing whatever nonsense. And we're going to scroll down and see some nonsense comments. But um, there, you could try to explain what defunding is, and I can tell you the reality of what defunding actually is. What defunding is, is you are taking a piece from the pie. Now, we all just survived Thanksgiving, probably. If you're listening, you survived. And most of us probably had some pie, so it's easy to look at what I'm talking about in terms of pie. If you took a slice of the pie and you ate it, the pie, the slice, is gone. The rest of the people at the table were not allowed to have that, pie, that slice of pie. And so ultimately, you're taking $8 million from a law enforcement agency from their budget, that means that $8 million needs to come from somewhere. Now, what I really like is this center um, section right under the, the header, right under the title. And it says, budget does not cut authorized number of officers after veto threat from the mayor. Yes, it does. Now, what's gonna happen is the agency is going to go and try to figure out where we can cut funding. They're going to take officers off of special patrol stuff, you know, whether they have action teams or warrant teams or whatever they have. They're going to start pulling people and moving people around. It's like a shell game. They're going to just start sliding them across the table. Okay. They're going to have to pull money from training. They're going to have to pull money from vehicle maintenance, from communications, from whatever, all the different areas of the budget to try to come up with a number that says $8 million. Now, ultimately, wherever you take that from, whether it's vehicle maintenance, vehicles will go down and officers won't be on the streets. You take from communications, you may not have dispatchers, you may not have channels up, the maintenance for the channels, everything that has to do with communications or radios, radios start breaking and you're not able to buy them, that's gonna take officers out of the equation. You start taking money away from training that means officers are less trained, a lower quality of police officer, or outright they don't get certified where they need to. So maybe they do four um, certifications for pistol a year, and now they have to do three. And then something happens where they have to limit the number of days and somebody doesn't qualify. Then that officer is off the street. So when you say the budget the budget cuts will not affect officer numbers, I will tell you they will, and we will see that. We are going to see that in New York, and Los Angeles, I think, is dealing with it now as well. So these cities that are being defunded are going to show us next year, because that's the budget. It's not right now. The budget is for next year. We're going to see a lot of problems. And so I can't stress it enough, if you take money away, then money has to come from somewhere. Now, the big thing that the city council said, and if, if, if you go through this article, you can find Lisa Bender, who is one of the um, city council members, who is hip hip hooraying the fact that for the 2021 budget, they were able to get this passed and take $8 million away. 
they say all the safety for all budget hashtag proposals passed mental health violence prevention oversight and more the budget makes important investments in affordable housing health and economic recovery if you need more money for housing health economic recovery for starters why don't we take money away from city council because i'm sure they're going to continue get getting paid they hire private security guards during the rioting and, and everything else let's take that money away from them first then once we take money away from them let's start taking away money from areas of the city that won't be vastly affected and won't ruin the quality of life in the city now i am not a person that is deals with budgets of cities and things like that i have no idea what minneapolis has but i can tell you there are areas you can cut or at least reduce funding for a given year and say hey look we'll take a million dollars away from this area this year 2021 and then the next year we should do better covid's gone and everything else we'll give you back that million extra on top of whatever you ask for for the next budget that gets approved so it's a give and take and that's how you move money around okay you don't take away and say hey go f yourself which is what they did to cover what they're saying is affordable housing health and economic recovery economic recovery should be a emergency fund that should already exist and if it doesn't they should seek out the federal government to assist with that it shouldn't come from law enforcement housing shouldn't come from law enforcement health shouldn't come from law enforcement now there was a, a mention somewhere uh here it is so this guy steve fletcher says our city will implement mental health emergency response support community safety programs add violence prevention capacity and improve police accountability wow so we're going to go ahead and send social workers to calls that we deem um, not appropriate for law enforcement so like this seattle uh, social worker that went to go talk to one of the clients and was stabbed to death she was stabbed to death because he thought his funding was being taken away and so he freaked out and he stabbed her multiple times there's her picture if that doesn't anger you by looking at her photo knowing she was violently stabbed to death i don't know what to tell you okay so social workers being put into these types of situations are going to get hurt are going to get killed and this is not what we do okay a mental health crisis you can send a social worker but you better send two cops with that social worker and that social worker better stand behind the cops because if whoever is having some sort of mental episode or breakdown or whatever you want to call it decides they want to pull a gun the bullet is going to hit the best of the police officer before it hits an innocent civilian who has no means of defending themselves has no training has no um you know hand-to-hand -hand, ground fighting standing fighting any sort of training whatsoever to survive and probably has very little survival instincts anyway because they're probably dressed nicely they're not expecting a fight they're going in to try to talk to people and make people feel better and they get punched in the face and what happens is they get shut down they go black they they don't know what to do they don't know how to defend themselves they're not trained for those situations i can tell you i went to hundreds hundreds of mental health episodes or whatever you want to call it okay someone having a crisis and i shot zero of them zero people i choked out zero people i violently beat zero people i didn't drive over them with a police car i didn't do anything to them other than hey do you want to seek help no i don't want to seek help okay well go to the witness go to the person hey what did they say they said you know this you know i i'm going to kill this person i'm going to do this i'm going to kill myself whatever 
go back to, hey, did you say this? Yes, I did. Cool, you're on an involuntary hold. I'm gonna put you in on a mental health hold. And I never fought people. I never got into it with anybody. Law enforcement is very capable and trained to handle these types of incidents. And so when I keep seeing this, um, we need to have a, a mental health emergency response team. No, you don't. You don't. You have that already, and that is law enforcement. You sending a civilian into a situation that is not able to defend themselves and train properly will die. Mark my words, because the Seattle social worker died. She went into a situation. She was not able to defend herself. There were no police officers present, and she died. And you know who went to go arrest this guy? Police. They went and found him, and they arrested him, I think, four hours later or some nonsense. So don't give me this garbage that we need these teams. Don't tell me that we need to go in and, and because law enforcement's out of control. We've already discussed on this podcast before, 0.0005% or some nonsense of law enforcement contacts end in police shootings. When they are unarmed, 0.002 or 0002 um, armed, okay? So don't tell me we have a law enforcement problem in this country. We have a mental health problem. And we need money for mental health. And you know who should be paying for that is the federal government. The federal government needs to recognize the fact that we have a mental health problem in this country, that it is it is killing more people every day, whether it's suicide, homicide, whatever it is. We have a problem in this country that needs to be dealt with. We need programs. We need help. We need someone that goes in to not get kicked right out the door and back on the street again. They need the appropriate systems in place, and we need the money for that. And where that shouldn't come from is law enforcement budgets. So Minneapolis added again, so $8 million, right? Now, we scroll down. I think it's this one. Oh, no, it was the other article here. If we scroll down here, this is the good stuff right here. These are some comments on this on this um, article and you have a lot of people you know oh, i'm sure it'll work better next time they should send more social workers to arrest them and hee hee ha ha okay a, a lady died i mean we don't need to make a joke out of it but seriously sending social workers to these will, will basically meet um injury or death it's going to happen more and more we talk about sending social workers to uh, domestic violence calls at 2 a.m. Good plan. Yeah, no, it's not a good plan at all. Um, this person right here says, this wouldn't have been a uh, police call, blah, blah, blah. Defund the police means property uh, properly fund support services and stop militarizing police. Diana Bailey is a moron. And here's why. Um, number one, again, we cannot take money away from law enforcement to fund social services. Social services needs their own funding and they need to find that funding however means they do it, not taking away from other, other crucial emergency services. That includes law enforcement, that includes fire, and that includes EMS. Those are three areas of the budget that should never be touched, should never be, be altered in any way. And that money should come from somewhere else. Now, most cities have a general fund of some kind. And again, city council is probably making over, you know, $100,000 or whatever they're making. Um, that's just kind of what I've seen in different cities. I don't know if Minneapolis is making that, but let's take away their pay for a year. I guarantee you take away their salary for a year. They're going to go, whoa, 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 hold on one second the five, six, seven of us, 10 of us, however many is on a city council in any given city, you know, why do we got to give up our money? It should come from someone else because that's life. Because as soon as it affects you, your, your opinion changes. And that's what we need to do. Start there and then you can move to other, other areas of the budget that don't affect the major emergency services. Now, the best part about Diana Bailey's comment here is stop militarizing police. Tell me how. 
I would love for someone to sit down with me and I will have you on this podcast and you can tell me all the different ways that law enforcement is militarized and I will tell you in an equal amount of ways how you are completely wrong. So let's say rifles. Oh my goodness. Oh, they get, they get rifles and rockets and blah, blah, blah. No, they don't. A lot of departments, you have to buy your own rifle. So that's not even included in the budget at all. I bought my own rifle when I went on, went on patrol in one, two, three different agencies. I carried my own rifle that I had to purchase. Now, two of the agencies had rifles that I could borrow. And these are old beat up crappy rifles. These are not fully automatic or three round burst rifles or anything that the military utilizes. These are not M1s. These are uh, AR-15s. And there is a vast difference for the, for the unintelligent people out there that have no clue about firearms. There's a vast difference between the two. Then let's say armored cars. Oh, the big armored cars are tanks. They have tanks. No, they don't have tanks. Okay. A tank has tracks and it's big and it has a cannon on it and it has guns. That is a tank. What the law enforcement uses is an armored personnel carrier. So if you're going to try to sound smart, get the right phrases, terms, and words when you go to complain. So they don't have tanks, they have APCs. An APC has no weapons. An APC has very little defense capabilities other than just blunt armor. And the armored vehicles are for situations where there is a compelling threat of, of serious bodily injury, injury or death, as in the case of, say, someone has taken hostages and barricaded themselves in a house. Regular street officers are not driving around in these APCs. They will call the SWAT team. They will call some sort of you know negotiating team and whatever else they have, whatever the resources, and they will retrieve this APC and bring it out and make contact and do the thing that they do. These are not weapons. These are tools. Okay. So don't try to tell me. Oh, and then like other tools like uh, OC or pepper balls or whatever else, militarizing police. Okay. The OC complaint around the country. And if you go and you look at the um, NATO's use of OC and how it's restricted and things like that, that's fine. If the military doesn't want to do, use it, that's fine. And the military is very strict on using any chemicals because chemical warfare is bad. Okay. And so they will, they will be in international courts and big things will be happening. Okay. OC is not a chemical weapon in the sense that it will do any permanent damage. It will injure you or it will kill you. I have gone into a gas chamber. Okay. Went in with a mask on, sat down on the floor. They put all their little stupid things in the little heating thing. And the OC was created and the room's filling up and it's getting all crazy. And I can't really breathe that well. And then they say, take your mask off. Do 10 push-ups, do whatever, whatever we had to do. Okay. And now I'm breathing it in. And I'm like, you know, this sucks. Okay. I get out. I'm like, this sucks. I hate it, but I survived. No permanent damage. In about five minutes, I was fine. There were no major issues. OC in uh, a gas form, pepper spray and a canister, all that stuff. That is just to temporarily for a few minutes, just debilitate you, just turn you, just drop you down, just make you completely worthless. So you'll stop doing whatever you're doing. And a lot of, uh, barricaded suspects, they get into a room, they get into a bathroom, they get into wherever they are, they're hiding. They'll go ahead and launch a, a gas in there, CS gas, OCCS, whatever you want to call it. I even had to, uh, one time had a guy in an attic space and we had to shoot pepper balls up there because he had a knife. He cut his own throat or tried to, and he was up there bleeding out. He didn't want to come down. And if we went up, he'd stab us. 
we had no access to the roof. So through the little, the little hole in the ceiling, we fired pepper balls up there. He went and he came down. And so these are tools that law enforcement gets to use that will protect everybody involved. And you may say, oh, the protesters, they use them on protesters, so blah, blah, blah. They use them when, when it's deemed that the protest is no longer lawful. I have never seen, it may happen, it may have happened, but I have never seen it, where a protest that is peaceful gets gassed present day. Back in the day, that might have happened, but things have changed. I've never seen them peaceful. I've seen a peaceful group and then a couple idiots throwing things from the group, which then ultimately leads to gas. I'm sorry, if you allow people in your protest to assault other people, to throw fireworks, throw bottles, throw rocks, whatever it is, if you don't snatch them up, snatch them by the neck, the legs, carry their asses over to a police line and throw them to police and say, take this idiot out of here. This is the one that was throwing rocks at you. Then you should not be protesting. The point is to have a peaceful protest. You are allowed by law to have that. And when it is no longer peaceful, that is when you're going to see gas and pepper balls and uses of force and things like that to try to get everybody out of there. So militarizing police is not a thing. They wear vests on the outside and they wear BDU pants and they wear boots. Those are all comfort items. The vest on the outside I wore. And it was crazy comfortable because it took a lot of stuff off my belt and put it onto a vest, saving my back, saving my, my waist, saving my body from injury so that I could have it up and, and accessible to use. And it's not to look like the military. It was just a comfort solution. So when people say stop militarizing police, that's because they're stupid. They don't know what militarization looks like. Go ahead, open up Google, type in China, North Korea, type in one of these places, or even Russia, Russian police. Go to YouTube and type in Russian police arrest guy, arrest person, and you will see drop kicks, beat downs, cars running people over. I as much as I love the British police, they can use their vehicles to ram a scooter or motorcycle to throw the rider off and arrest them. In America, that's crazy nonsense and we're not allowed to do that. That is a lethal force option is to hit someone with your vehicle. They're allowed to do that. Do you wanna see what force actually looks like? Go look at some of these other countries. And I'm not saying the UK, I'm just saying that is what they're allowed to do, and that's kind of on the low-end spectrum of, of force. Go out there and look up North Korea, China, Russia, some of these other countries, and how their police have no rules. Mexico, no rules. They can basically do whatever they want to somebody when they come up to them. That is what militarization looks like, because they have uh, automatic weapons, they have grenades, they have all sorts of crazy nonsense, that is basically what a military would have. Our law enforcement in the United States, not like that. So I'm sick and tired of hearing this. I'm sick and tired of seeing this. I don't know how to make it go away. It's driving me crazy. But uh, I mean, I, I don't. at this point, I don't know what else to do. I don't know what else to say. I don't know what else to do. Um, except people need to be educated and they need to um, learn what defunding does. They need to learn what militarization looks like and they need to learn, um, you know, what police officers, what, what first responders, all of them, EMS and fire and everybody does on a daily basis before they speak because they are continuing to speak. They are continuing to say things that they have no clue about and it's making them look stupid. And ultimately it's causing a lot of damage to our society right now. So I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say beyond that. Please educate yourself. Please educate your friends. Please, when you see something online and somebody posting, 
that they need to defund or demilitarize, tell them in, in kind, gentle words, they're an idiot and here's why, and give them some, some real information, some real solid information because they're completely wrong. So on November 5th, the, uh, it says Virginia Police Department in Minnesota. I'm, I didn't know there was a Virginia Police Department in Minnesota. Uh, responded to a subject who had fled during transport while in a mental health hold at a hospital. We talked about mental health holds a little bit ago. And sometimes if you're on a mental health hold, you have to go to the hospital. You have to be go, you have to go and be seen for 24 to 72 hours, whatever it is in your state, um, whatever that, that time frame is. And this little, this character chose not to. Now I'm going to play this video and I will run it through and then we'll talk about it. Sit down. You're going to get bowler wrapped if you don't sit down. Sit down right now. So for our, our audio listeners, there are two officers talking to a subject on the sidewalk. Sit down or you're going to get bowler. Sit down. I'm using the Bola, bola, bola. Bolud. Okay. So they fire this bola. It wraps around his his body and holds his arms in. They walk in, pull his arms back, and then handcuff him. Cool. So basically, you can be Boba Fett too. You can shoot your thing, and it'll flip around and wrap around somebody for the low low price of thirteen hundred dollars. Okay. Is basically what these cost for departments. It is neat. It is cool. It looks like Boba Fett. Now, the problem is for it to be effective, the arms of your person need to be down at their side. Now, one arm down, they might be able to trap the one arm, but really you want both arms secured so you can move in. So basically you need both arms down at their sides in order to wrap this crazy nonsense around their arms and it holds them in place. Again, really cool little contraption. And, and I, I definitely praise these guys for coming up with this thing because it's pretty damn cool. Uh, on their website, it says, is this uh, created after a uh, superhero or whatever? No, it was Boba Fett guys but um, they didn't say that. So is it cool to, to shoot it? Yes. Uh, was it loud? It was crazy loud. Uh, I probably would have said bola, bola, bola before I pulled the trigger because it went bola. And, and these other officers may have um, thought it was a gunshot and started shooting. So just for future reference, that's why when, when, uh, officers deploy a taser. They go taser, 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 and they use the taser um, in such a way that the uh, officers know that it's going to happen, and then that way we don't we don't have that um, that issue of sympathetic firing when we pull the trigger. So it's cool, it's neat. I'm okay with it. I don't think it's an end-all be-all. I'd like to actually see, and, and this sounds ridiculous and silly, but I would like to see a system where there's a weighted, like a weighted net or something that will, whether it's electrical, goes around and it, it drops them to the ground and allows them to kind of be stuck there. I think that would be really cool. That would be hugely beneficial to uh, law enforcement and everybody else. So I would like to see that um, at some point. And so maybe we'll get there. I don't know, but we're just not there yet. Um, the question in chat was, why can't you do it on the legs? You can. And actually, if they run away, you can bolo their legs as they're running. And there's a little demo, very short, like three-second clip on their website that shows a person running away. They shoot them in the legs. It wraps around their legs and they fall over. That's kind of cool. However, that also is exactly the same as a taser, except now they can use their hands to land on the ground. So do we want them to have their hands when they go down? 
And, and I can tell you, probably not, because if they go down and they have freedom of movement with hands, now they can go to their waist, they can draw a firearm, a weapon, whatever it is, and assault the police officer, who is now having to transition away from bola thing or taser thing or whatever it is to a firearm. So I'm not big on um, something that doesn't incapacitate hands and feet. If it's just one or the other, like this guy, he gets bolo'd and then just stands there. He's just like, whatever, guys. Any normal aggravated person is either going to run or just start kicking and biting and fighting, even though they don't have hands. So maybe two of them. Maybe you hit top and you hit bottom. Boom, boom, at the same time. That's cool. And then they really can't do anything. So I don't think we're quite there yet. I think, uh, I think we need a little bit more time. Uh, and like I said, I think we need some sort of electrical something that incapacitates somebody and brings them down and just weight weighs them down and, and such, and not like heavily to the point where they can't breathe, but just enough that it's like, I can't get out of this stupid thing. That's what we need at this point. So I'm going to play this other video. We're going to break this video down. Um, this is kind of a tactical consideration video. Now, this video was released, I want to say today. Um, I forget by who. This is a different YouTube channel that uh, got the copy of the body camera and, and released it, but there was some sort of news footage and it was, it was posted up uh, today. That's how I saw it. But these officers are responding to an armed robbery at a CVS. And the CVS is like Walgreens. It's like a, um, you know, kind of small store with a pharmacy and things like that. So we're going to go ahead and play this. And just, I'll stop kind of right a little bit after they get inside and, and we'll discuss it. And I'll talk about why um, I think the way I do. Now, of note is the fact that at the beginning of this, the officer is responding. They're giving out descriptions of a suspect who is a heavyset male. Uh, I think they say black male with uh, dark clothes or, or black clothes. Black sweatshirt, gun, small pistol. So he's pulling up to the location. For audio listeners, this is a dash or a uh, body cam. And this is the officer pulling up. He's going to run up to the front door and go inside. Right here, you can see the suspect. You can see the suspect through the window to the left. Now he's very angry. He's upset. He's yelling. He's got the guy at gunpoint. I'm just gonna stop it here for a second, okay? Because there are a few things I just want to touch on before I forget. Is the fact that he goes in alone, but he is looking around, and you can see the way. I'm guessing this is a shoulder-mounted camera. Um, because it does catch kind of the side of his face as he turns. And he is looking around, so he has some sort of situational awareness. This is a suspect. It looks, I don't know if you can see his skin color, but he's wearing a gray hoodie and blue jeans. So to me, right off the bat, this is not a dark or black sweatshirt with a small handgun. This is a guy with no handgun wearing a gray hoodie. And so this will come into play here in a minute. So he's yelling at him, telling him to get on the ground. <laughs> he gives him a little, a little help to the ground. All right, so we're gonna stop it here. Now, a couple things to note, okay? So we're gonna mute it just so I can play it and not have to talk over it. The approach was good in the sense that we responded to a situation that is an armed robbery in progress. We know that there's guns, we know there's bad people, we know that this is a problem, okay? Now, he pulls up front of the doors. Nah. I would probably offset my car somewhere to the side 
I wouldn't, I wouldn't park it in the front of the building. But the killer for me is he runs straight in like Superman. And I'm not going to fault this cop. Uh, it's very possible that their training is that they need to go into situations and they need to, um, you know, almost like an active shooter, they need to get in there. That may be their policy, and that's perfectly fine. I'm just talking about this as a kind of food for thought because I get to Monday Night Quarterback because I am here on a computer and I'm watching this video. I'm not actually there. Now, in every department I was in, the policy for an active situation where it's an armed robbery, a bank robbery, something like that, is first officer at the front, second officer in the back, third officer comes in, call inside, say, hey, do you, you, know, you got a situation going on? What's going on? If they don't answer, then the officers have to move in. He goes in solo. I have a problem with that. Now, right here on the video, I paused it, and you can see bad guy can see the officer coming in and could have easily drawn if he was, I don't know if he had the gun out and he put it away when the officer came in, or he just had it away anyway. He could have drawn this firearm between here and here and shot the police officer as he came around that corner because that is a blind corner. So, uh I don't know. I'm not really uh I'm not really okay with that. I don't like it. I don't like officers going into a situation when they don't have to. I'm I'm confused by the one glove situation, but that's different. Um so later on when when the bad guy is on the ground, the other officer feels the gun and goes, "Put your gloves on so that they can grab the gun out." Um I'm not really sure why he only has one on. That's kind of weird. But here's even more of a problem. Officer comes in, he goes pretty deep into the store. Now, what we don't know is that there's two other suspects in this building. And as the officer comes in, those two suspects who are armed also jump out the window from the pharmacy and run away. Now, if they wanted to fight, they would have shot this officer in the back. And then the other officer that comes in to assist probably would have shot him or gotten in a shootout. Somebody would have gotten hurt and or killed. So I, I get to watch this video and I get to break it down and I get to say, you know, from a tactical standpoint, what I would have done better and blah, blah, blah. And that's only because I get, I get to do that now. I will not fault the officers for what they did in, in, in the sense that they just stopped an armed robbery and captured a suspect. So they did pretty good. Uh, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna fault them too much. I just think it could have been done different. And if someone from that command or um, one of those officers sees this podcast or hears this podcast for some odd reason, um, you know, it ends up reaching them. Just food for thought there. And I don't like rushing in. You know, obviously if it's an active shooter, shots are being fired. You can hear it. You know they're being fired. Then you have to go in to stop the threat. But that's not happening here. We went in by ourselves for one suspect who had the beat on us through the window and as we came around that corner and there were two other suspects and they got away. I, I don't know if they've been arrested since or whatever, but just, just food for thought. Just let's be careful. It's, it's tactically unsound to run in. And I will tell you that I did law enforcement for 14 years 12 years in a major city. When I started in the major city, it was smash the window, drag the person out, you know, and it was, it was craziness. And so we, we did that. We ran in, we ran in gung ho and did all that stuff. Now is not the time to do that anymore. We're beyond that. We're better than that. Uh, training's different. Weapons are different. Suspects are getting, you know, more heavily armed and more tactically sound we're dealing with a lot of military veterans. I wouldn't say a lot, but some military veterans that have tactical training. So let's do this different, okay? Um, let's, let's not just run in. This video came out today, um, or at least there was a, a post made today to include this video. 
uh, I'll kind of set up the tone a little bit for this video because here's the thing. The person that this occurred to went on to uh, social media and said, and I quote, that they were jumped by the police. So if I can pull this up here, go to here, here. The screenshot that's uploaded says, I really got jumped by Aurora Police Department. Gee, like, I can't believe this shit. Number one, let's learn to speak English, right? If we're going to post it online, that's nonsense. But so we have some scuffs on the face, some injuries. I got jumped by the Aurora Police Department. That's pretty specific. That says I was assaulted or robbed. When you say jumped, it's usually assaulted or robbed. Now, here's the thing that bothers me the most about what this what, what occurred with this is Bizzle on, on Twitter, on the Twitters, who is a self-reported uh wife, mother, community servant, activist, humanitarian, unapologetic, loyal warrior, pro-black and some sort of fraternity thing or whatever. Um, this person here says, and I quote for our audio listeners, this is what Aurora Police Department does to their citizens who are just trying to protect themselves from aggressive and threatening neighbors. Three males and one female cop, assault period, assaulted her without cause period. And then you wonder why we feel the way we do about these terrorists. Okay. We're going to play this video and you're going to see what police did. Now the 911 calls are coming in from multiple people and the 911 calls are saying there is a female in a vehicle outside in the parking lot honking her horn and screaming. Honking, 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 over and over, not stopping. At one point, one of the callers calls in and, and is out there yelling at her to shut up because her kid's trying to sleep. And it goes on and on and on. There is a callback made by either dispatch or, or the, the caller. And the caller then says that this girl is threatening people with a gun and is talking about killing people. So we are going to play that video and get that pulled up and you are going to hear what's happening. If you are an audio listener, you get to hear it. If you are a video list, uh, viewer that's on YouTube or, or live right now, you're going to get to watch this. So this is the video from the body camera footage that Aurora Police Department has released in response to this incident. Okay, we have a call in and we're going to get somebody out there, okay? You said that this is in regards to a parking spot? Okay. Is that what you said? No, she's threatening to shoot people. She's threatening to shoot people. Okay, do you see a gun? No, I don't see a gun, but she's crazy and she's threatening to kill people. Okay, I just needed to verify. <laughs> Okay, I'm just going to pause real quick. Caller says she's threatening to shoot people. I didn't see a gun, but she says she has one and she's going to going to kill people. And you hear the horn honking. All of the elements of, of the call, of all the other calls and everything else, are in this, this little bit of audio before, before we continue forward. This is going to change the response of police. Because this is now... This is now an armed situation that it's not going to be, um, we just walk up and say, hey, what's going okay. on? Why are you honking your horn? And I know you said she had a black jacket on. Can you see what yeah. color she has or what color pants? I can't, no. I can't. Honk, honk. She's still doing it. You can hear it. I'm sure dispatch is putting the notes in. I can hear the horn in the background. Okay, and we have officers on the way, okay? So if you can okay. stay in your location, then they're coming out there, okay? Okay. Did you want Did you want an officer to contact you? Yes, because she's where I live, so. And what is your name? 
number out there, and then I'll tell them that you would also like contact, okay? Okay. All right. Take care. So now the body camera is going to roll and show the officer responding to the scene. He's running up from his car. The horn is still blaring. Again, this is an armed person in a vehicle now. All right, I see her. Stop. Go away. Hey. So now the officer has her essentially at gunpoint. He's kind of low, low ready. Step out of the car. Right, step out of the car. Don't move your hands. Don't move your hands. I'm not. I'm not. Yes, my gun is in Put your hands on your face. My gun is in your face. My gun is in your face. I see your gun. Put your hands on your face. Don't fucking move your hands. Put them on your face. It's on my face. The gun's right next to her. It is. You can grab it. I don't need it. Okay. Okay. Officer responds. He's got his gun out. He yells to her to put her hands up because it's initially her hands are down at her sides or at least in her lap. It's kind of below the window level. And she, she, she goes, I got a gun and he can see the gun. And at that point he's yelling for her to put her hands on her face. Now hands on face is a, an interesting and it's kind of a newer kind of tactic. Um, it's used a lot in a, a school bus uh, situation or or a a theater or some some setting where there's a lot of people and you don't know who the shooter is you don't know who the person is that you're looking for you say everyone put your hands on your face and they put their hands on their face and you know that because you can see over the seats that everybody with a hand on, or two hands on their face are okay and when you can't see the hands that's where your eyes are going to go and you're going to be upset about that and so she he tells her put your hands on your face she could have said on the back of her head or top of her head or on the roof um, he could have said any different things but i won't fault him at all for that that's great and again we don't see that a lot but he's going to go ahead and open the door and he's going to retrieve this handgun okay it was for self-protection okay yeah don't move so I don't, what am i i'm not moving okay put your hands on your head Put your hands on your head, the other officer says. It's mine, and it's ready, sir. The officer has now grabbed the firearm and no, pulled it out of the vehicle. All right, she's going to... Hey, go ahead. You, are, you guys have everything to do. Go ahead. Do it. Do it. Do it. I don't know what they're supposed to do, but do Stay it. Stay on the phone, brother. I'm on screen recording, too. Don't say Nigga, I ain't got... I have every right to do what I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. Yep, I sure was. She has every right to be honking her horn at whatever time this is. It's dark, so assume it's late. Every right to honk her horn, be a nuisance, uh, violate the law by creating a noise disturbance, and then threaten people to kill them with a firearm. She has every right to do that. They pull her from the vehicle, order her to the ground, and she starts laughing. She thinks this is a joke. Okay, she thinks it's a joke. She she's laughing. It's hysterical. To the officers, they don't know if she has a second gun. They don't know if she has a knife. They don't know if she has another weapon. This is essentially a felony stop, although um, it was done a little bit different than a felony stop would have been done. They have pulled her from the vehicle. They were in close proximity to her, and they placed her on the ground, and she's moving, and they're telling her not to move, stop resisting, and to remain calm. Go ahead. Y'all have every right to do that. Go ahead. Putting handcuffs ahead. on her. When you pick me up, do not hit me on my head. Don't hit her on the head. You're not hit me on my head when I get up. We're not going to hit you on your head. I know that. I'm not resisting either. I didn't resist in the first place. Okay, we appreciate that. He is double locking the handcuffs. <laughs> she is laying on the ground. <laughs> they are not on top of her. They are not doing anything. Tell me what you're doing first. I'm giving you a pat down to make sure that you don't have weapons on you. Okay, so say that. They don't have to tell you what they're doing. Yes, you do. No, they don't. No, they don't, lady. They don't have to tell you what they're doing. They don't have to give you a play-by-play -play of what they're doing. They're patting you down for weapons. They're allowed to do that. 
Um, essentially, she is under arrest, um, contrary to the Twitter post that was said without probable cause or whatever. There is. She has threatened people. Um, essentially, she is under arrest for the threats, for the noise disturbance, for the possession of a firearm. If that becomes an issue and is not a legal firearm, that might be added on later. So they are allowed to patch you down for weapons. They are allowed to put you in a police car. And ultimately, that is what they're going to do, is they're going to pick her up and bring her to a police car. You can ask me what you're doing first. Now, at that point, I wouldn't, answer, I wouldn't say anything. Just ignore them, which is what exactly what they do. You don't need to have a roadside yeah, argument. The door. They close the door so they don't hit her head. Put a rolly on your side. Thank you. Sit up on your butt. Thank you. All right. There you go. If it looks Thank like tough, stand I'm up. Not, I'm not doing anything. Okay, stand up. One, two, three. Stand up. It's hilarious. Now, the meat and potatoes of this call is done, but I want you to hear something that she says here. They're putting her into the police car. Start with the one that says you have a right to remain silent, please. Thank you. Somebody's parked in my spot that I pay for. Mm. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm not scared of them, and they're not doing nothing wrong either. They're doing their job. Oh. Yes, I can. Thank you for asking me. Yes, oh. I can. Oh. No, go ahead. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Oh. They aren't doing anything wrong. They are doing their job. They are just doing their job is what she said. So she is okay with this situation and how it went down because the officers are doing their job. I don't know if she was responding to a person that was screaming in the background or whatever else, but this is vastly different than what the, uh, the Twitter post said. And I'm going to pull that back up again. The Twitter post says that they were aggressive. They were aggressive and threatening neighbors. We didn't see any of that. That the three males and one female assaulted her without cause. At the end of that video, she says they're just doing their jobs and they're, they're okay. So this Bizzle, Ash Bizzle person or whatever, wife, mother, community servant, activist, humanitarian, unapologetic, um, is doing what, what the, the legal word is, is called libel. This person has made a published false statement that is damaging to a person or organization's reputation. It is written defamation. This person has said that this girl here was assaulted by police without cause. She was not assaulted. And they had a lot of cause to contact her, remove her from the vehicle, place her in handcuffs. What needs to happen at this point is the Aurora Police Department needs to go ahead and file a lawsuit against this person and their Twitter post. Because that is a blatant false statement, a blatant lie to what actually occurred. And we need to, as a country... We need to, as a people, as a society, start holding people responsible for their words. You are allowed to have free speech. There is a freedom of press. There is freedom to, to assemble and do all these things that we're allowed to do in this country. But you are not allowed to break the law. You are not allowed to use your free speech to create an, a, a statement that is damaging and false against a person or an organization. Now, the, the libel is also to the officers. Each one of those officers individually could file a lawsuit against this person on Twitter for a libel. And you know what? I would, if I was that police officer, I would seek damages because she says in this post that they are terrorists. They are terrorists, and this is why people feel the way they do. No, 
Because if you watch the video, any normal, reasonable person is going to watch that video and go, these officers did nothing wrong. The girl at the end even says, the officers did nothing wrong. They are, they're able, allowed to do what they're doing. It's their job. And she was perfectly fine with that. She knows her rights and she wants to be told everything, but she says that they're just doing their job. This is not an assault. This is not a, a getting jumped by police. As she then later says, after she's released, I imagine, this is not a criminal act. And we need to hold people accountable for their words. So I encourage the Aurora Police Department, I encourage any law enforcement agency in this country to seek out these people in a civil lawsuit and go after these people or news agencies that are posting these dramatic, emotional, and, and gripping headlines that are blatant false lies. Do not allow the narrative to be created for you. Don't go out and try to create the narrative, but put some context, put some facts into the narrative so that people, the normal everyday person, when they come across this can go, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I'm not sure I believe just what you're saying, just your words. I, I want to see a video. And then they watch the video and they go, oh, on that video, that is not criminal, that is not assault, that is not without cause, that is not whatever. This fizzle, although unapologetic, has a lot of apologizing to do. They need to apologize to the Aurora Police Department and say, I am sorry for what I put up, that was wrong, I did not have all the facts, I did not have all the information, you are not terrorists, I apologize to the three or four officers that, that I said the words that I did, and then maybe they won't come at you with a lawsuit. But if I was the, the Aurora Police Department, I would file a lawsuit. And we need to start doing this. We need to hold people accountable for their actions. We need to hold people accountable for their words. So we're going to leave on that note. Uh, I don't see any comments. There was one, is she drunk or just angry? I have no idea. I don't know what the, the situation was and why she was acting the way she was. She was incredibly hostile, aggressive, and ridiculous for the fact that uh, it was a parking spot. You know, if someone is in your parking spot, then you call management, management calls a tow truck, and they tow it out of there, and you get your parking spot back. You do not sit in a parking lot and honk your horn for minutes and minutes and minutes. It probably took 10 minutes for the call to go into, into dispatch and for an officer to get the call and an officer to respond. So for 10 minutes, she's sitting there honking her horn, or however long it was. It could have been an hour for all I know. But that is not reasonable. It is illegal to disturb people's peace, to create a noise disturbance, a noise violation. And so she is 100% at fault. There is no right or in this situation at all. And then to go and threaten people to say, I will shoot or kill you with this gun is also illegal. So uh, I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, I think we're at a, at a point now in this country that we need to take a stand. and We need to start holding people accountable for their actions, for their words, for their speech, for their news headlines, for all that stuff. And I hope we start seeing it. I hope we start seeing it because I'm sick and tired of it. I, I'm upset. I'm angry when I see these people post this stuff online. And it's never... Uh, in support of the narrative, obviously the, the media is going to spin it. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they post up, you know, oh, uh, disturbance, body camera footage. This is the 56th time that officers use for, you know, they'll, they'll spin it. They'll throw that little spin in there, that narrative. And I'm sick and tired of it. I'm sick and tired of seeing it in this particular, that tweet that is illegal. You are not allowed to do that. And so I think they need to hold people responsible for that. So I want to thank everybody for being here. I want to thank everybody for listening and everybody viewing, whether you view it on YouTube uh, after the fact or you're here live with me. There were a few people in the, in the chat. And so I appreciate you all for being here. If you're an audio listener and you're catching us on Pandora, Spotify, Anchor, iHeartRadio, or anywhere else, thank you very much. I think we're seeing a few... Um, viewers now on Apple Podcasts, which is pretty cool. So uh, we have hit a number of international 
viewers from Germany and I think Israel and some other places, which is pretty damn cool. So thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And I hope we catch you next week, Thursday. Uh, what day is that going to be? That's going to be the 17th at 10 p.m. Eastern right here on Twitch.